0: Welcome to Where There Is Hope. Here we offer inspiration and encouragement from the Bible. With Travis Renfro, I'm John Lindsay. We're glad you're here.
1: In the last episode, we were talking about what is heaven. But we told you in the intro that we were going to talk about heaven and hell. So, unfortunately, we sort of divided this between good and bad um, unintentionally. But that's how it happened. So this week we're going to talk about what is hell. So we and we talked about heaven. We said sometimes it's difficult because we talked about the three understandings of heaven in Jewish culture. That there was the heaven that was the sky. The second heaven that was more of the beyond the sky to outer space thought. And then the third heaven being the dwelling place of God. And in a similar way, we have an issue when we talk about hell in scripture in that there are a lot of words that are translated as hell in English translations. One of the first ones we come into is sheol, which is a Hebrew word that refers to this underworld place of the dead and often again this is a word that's sort of synonymous with hell but doesn't really mean the hell that we're thinking of the underworld dwelling place of the dead may just be where the dead reside until judgment and then in, uh, in the Greek language something similar John is the idea of Hades and when you think about Hades what do we think about
0: I think about the movie Hercules.
1: Yeah, I knew that was going to come up. That's why I went ahead and teed uh, that up for you.
0: Um, but, yeah, it's the Greek underworld, same kind of concept as Sheol. Um, you have a... Um, I guess, sorry, I should... Uh, it, so Hades was the Greek god, but they also have this concept that you see um, of just this being the Greek underworld, um place for the dead and... Um, typically not associated with the good dead, but the bad dead.
1: Mm-hmm. Good. But the one that probably is the most accurate as far as the closest to our understanding of what hev- or what hell actually is, is this a Hebrew word, Gehenna. And Gehenna is, it refers to sort of loosely to the Valley of Hinnom, which was sort of a trash dump. Uh, it's where a, pl- a literal place, or was a literal place, where there was filth and dead animals and and bodies and such, where animal bodies were taken to be burned. So when we think about hell, that's typically what we think about, right? We think about a place where bad things go to burn, uh, and that's what this was. So when we talk about hell and we're looking at words that are translated as that in the Bible, this is probably the one that's closest. So is hell a place that has just dwelled eternally, or is it something that God has created?
0: Well, that's a difficult question.
1: (laughs) Well, you are a smart man, so I thought that you'd be able to answer that.
0: I will refer to uh, your wisdom.
1: All right. Uh, Thanks for that. (laughs) I think there are a couple places in Scripture that lead us to understand that it's a created place. Um, Let's look at a couple. One is in Matthew chapter 25. And in verse 41, when Jesus says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So you have that idea there when Jesus says that, that this is a place that has been prepared, that place that has been created by God. And what's interesting, I think, there, uh, and I remember one of our former preachers at our church uh, was, was keen on saying this ever so often, that it wasn't created for man. Jesus makes very clear here that hell was created for the devil and his angels, for Satan and his angels. So in just knowing that helps you to understand a created place created for what purpose, John?
0: To punish the devil and his angels right, eternally.
1: Yeah, so you know, scripturally and even in culture, we understand Satan was to be punished for being evil, for being rebellious as his angels were rebellious. And so there is this eternal punishment that is in hell for them. Um, also in Revelation, in chapter 20 and verse 10, and it shouldn't surprise you when we talk about heaven and hell that we go to Revelation because there's so much description of it, uh, some description of each of the, uh, within that book. But in Revelation 20, verse 10, it says, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they were tormented day and night forever and ever. So, first thing we need to understand is this was was not intended uh, by God for man's punishment. But, as we said, Satan and his angels earn it by rebellion. So, is man excluded from having to go to hell?
0: Unfortunately, no.
1: And so, for what reason would man be thrown into this hell that is prepared for the devil and his angels?
0: Sin, uh, yeah, unforgiven sin.
1: Yeah, I mean, and ultimately, that's rebellion, right? We we have the natural order of things, the God's order of things. God asks us as free moral agents to choose to follow his path and to do the things that he has asked us to do. And when we don't, we are rebelling against what he has asked us to do. And so ultimately it is rebellion that gets us into hell, whether we are, whether you're a devil, one of his angels, or just a rebellious man who, who butts his head up against God. Uh, Again, you look at Revelation again in chapter 20 and verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And that's the same sort of concept. And back in Matthew 25 again in verse 46 this time. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Why the punishment with fire? Why do you think that is what we see so often when we read about hell?
0: You think about what fire does; it destroys.
1: And you, even in even in scripture, um, fire has this element of just being like the most severe pain, right? And mm. we know even just from our limited experiences here that if you ever burn yourself, you know whether it's on a stove or a hot pan or even in a fire. Uh, that's a very painful injury. Have you ever ha- have had to deal with something like that, John? What's a really bad burn you've had?
0: Uh, yeah, I've burnt myself several times. Like, uh like a couple weeks ago I was getting something out of the toaster oven and stuck my whole hand in there and accidentally burnt my knuckle just because I'm dumb sometimes.
1: <laughs> I wasn't going to say that.
0: <laughs> but yeah it's not it's not uh, comfortable and just a little touch like that can leave a mark that lasts for a week Uh you know I touched it for like a tenth of a second and uh, instantly pulled my hand away and asked st- you know I got a little mark on my hand and um, yeah it hurt
1: just as a complete aside you, you mentioned toaster oven. One time I had a Pop-Tart come up out of the toaster, and you ever had that flip icing down on your hand? That Ouch. is excruciating pain. <laughs>
0: yeah, I imagine. Ouch.
1: Yeah, so that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I just <laughs> want to talk about Pop-Tarts for a minute give a shout out. Maybe we'll get an endorsement deal. Um, <laughs> in, the, in the book of Leviticus, a couple of things I wanted to bring up. Uh, in chapter 20, and verse 14, it says, If a man takes a woman... And her mother also it is depravity. He and they shall be burned with fire, that there may be there may be no depravity among you. You see there in Leviticus that in that particular instance burning was a severe punishment. And then later, the next chapter in Leviticus 21 and verse 9: And the daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by whoring, profanes her father, and she shall be burned with fire. So these really severe and grotesque sins are punished with fire and I think that's part of what we see when we talk about hell that it is supposed to be a severe punishment so when we talk about that fire that's the idea that I think is being communicated through scripture that these are very severe punishments for very severe crimes
0: yeah I just think about like what fire does a silly example but if you light a match and touch it to a piece of paper and you wait five minutes where's the piece of paper
1: yeah it's gone
0: completely gone turned into ash Um, so I think the severe punishment and destruction are just two big things it's like completely eradicating certain things
1: so I think a very interesting interesting question and this came up recently in a sermon that I had heard, uh, and John, you heard as well, is is the idea is Satan in hell right now? And I think if you ask most people, what would they say? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, running. Percent. He's
0: running a party in hell right now.
1: Yeah, and and honestly, before this was brought up in the sermon, I would have said that just you know without really thinking. Well, yeah. And why do we think that? Well, because that's what you see, right? That's mm-hmm. what you see in popular culture. You think about it. How many animated cartoons and things you've seen?
0: Satan has a red pitchfork. Yep. And two red horns. His face is red.
1: He's got a pointy tail.
0: Pointy nose, and he usually just wears red, and he's always smiling, and has his eyebrows pointed down.
1: Yeah, and and he's the one in charge of torture in hell, and it, it makes him laugh. Yeah. It's very fun for him to be to be torturing all of us. But. You know, we Look at the book of Revelation. Uh, let's, let's read these verses here. In Revelation chapter 20, and we'll read the first three verses. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit, and shut it and sealed it over him so that he may, might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be released for a little while. You know, full disclosure, Revelation's really complicated and hard to understand. Many, many books written to try to interpret it. But here's something I think we need to understand about hell that we get from the book of Revelation. It's not Satan's play place. When he is there, whether you think he's there now or you think he's going to be punished there later. He's not going there to have a good time. What's he going to do when when Satan goes? What's going to happen to him?
0: He's going to be tortured. He's not in charge down there.
1: Right. And I think that's a fascinating thing for us to consider because it's so countercultural. Culturally, we always think that Satan rules in hell, and he absolutely does not. It's where he will go to be to be punished eternally by God for his crimes and his sins and the accusations against God's people and all the things that he's done, um, it's not going to be his vacation or his retirement. It is his torture.
0: I think that's such an important point because there's so many people that think, well, if I, if I just live a bad life, then I'll be buddied up with Satan and he'll give me a good spot in hell. Or I might even enjoy the things because I like doing bad stuff, and uh, he's down there; he's the king, uh, and that's not true at all. Uh, I'm really glad that you made that clarification.
1: Yeah, and I think you brought up something else. It's not some sort of hedonistic paradise either, where you know those who love indulging in sin will just be indulging in sin forever. The wages of sin is death. Romans six twenty three makes that very clear. It's not eternal sin. It's not, you know, eternal pleasures. It's death, uh, and it's it's this punishment. So again, tracing Satan's timeline here, uh, if we look all the way back at the Book of Job, in chapter one and verse seven. Satan had access to Job on Earth, and he had access to the audience with God. So we know at least that point. At that point, he wasn't bound eternally in hell. So we say it wasn't then. And in Job chapter one, verse six, again, that's where he has access to God. And then in First Peter chapter five and verse eight, what's the warning that Peter gives his readers, John?
0: Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking to devour us.
1: So that would lead us to believe that Satan is not bound now, correct?
0: Correct. And that he's not he's not somewhere we're not.
1: Right. It's terrifying to think that Satan's in your proximity and on your plane of existence. But that's what Peter is warning us about. So if, if Satan is still free to roam about on the earth, seeking, seeking those who may devour, torturing those who may torture, tempting those who would otherwise be serving God, it's fairly plain to understand that he's not imprisoned. At least not yet. So when we think about who's in hell right now, no one, from what I understand. If Satan's not in hell right now, I don't see how anyone else is yet either. Well, how do you, and that's obviously a little bit of a reach on my part, John, are you comfortable with that? Or do you think that maybe I'm a little off base?
0: Uh, so I don't know. And this kind of brings us to um, maybe the the next thought here is like, what happens when, when you die? Um, and this is a, unfortunately there's not much um we have a little bit of text on this and some ideas but um it's mostly conjecture i could say mm-hmm. um there's some talk some talk there are some thoughts about purgatory that developed in the early catholic church and what purgatory was was essentially a uh, Um, a holding place after you die, and we see some images of that in the New Testament, Um, but in the Catholic conception of purgatory in the uh, the early uh, uh, 1000s through uh, 1100 A.D. to like 1600 A.D., uh, the concept was that purgatory was essentially a place that you go to work off your sins before you go to heaven. And once you've worked off enough of your sin, then you're allowed to go ahead and go on up to heaven. So it's almost like a form of hell, but, um, you're able to get out of it at some point. And that's not what we see with, uh, the way that Jesus describes hell. Um, but regardless with all that, what happens when you die? I don't really know. Um, I, Kind of goes to something that we touched on earlier. I think our conception of time and um, I think it uh, has really clouded a lot because I think some people think that the moment you die, you're standing up at the pearly gates um, ready to enter heaven Mm -hmm. or you're standing at eternal judgment. And I don't really know that that's the case because we see um, Paul talks about how some have fallen asleep and that all will rise at the judgment, first those who are dead. So uh, this, is, this is me branching out into personal opinion here. Um, but my personal opinion is that when we die, we essentially fall asleep, and then um, at the judgment we will all wake up and go through that resurrection um, and judgment of the things that are to come. Thoughts? What are your thoughts? Yeah. And then we'll, we'll be... Uh sorry, Go ahead. and then we'll be uh you know judged and then sent to either uh eternal eternal dwelling with God or eternal punishment uh, in the company of the devil.
1: I think anyone who has lost someone really close to you really struggles with where are they? um I struggle with that a lot um still do and and done a lot of reading and a lot of studying of scripture. To try to answer that question and still don't find a real satisfactory answer that I feel like I could just you know camp out on so I think something that you said is is really really helpful and that's that this this judgment and this eternity exists outside of time for us time is linear And so I want to say, well, you know, when so-and-so dies, then they go here, and then this happens, and then such happens. But if it exists outside of time, then I don't don't need to see it in a linear fashion. I know everyone can see my hand gestures as I'm talking about this. (laughs) Um, But the fact that it exists outside of linear time is, while it's very difficult for us to conceive that in our minds, it helps me to have an understanding that I, it helps me understand my limitations on why I can't get this. Um, but I, I do think you know, Like you, you say At some point Whether it's in linear time or not There is the final judgment And that is when we receive our eternal reward uh, Because of Christ's sacrifice We can go to heaven Or however that exists um, To spend eternity with God Or we go to torment But again with my opinion I don't think anyone is either, in either place Right now currently as I speak Unless it is outside of time yeah. Clear as mud.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think if anything can be said, there are three things that are certain. There is an eternal judgment for every single individual, and they will go to either heaven or hell.
1: And with that knowledge, everyone has decisions to make. You know, where do you want to go? Knowing that all are, those things are real and, ju- and judgment is certain, you know, that's, that's the old um, scripture. What sort of person ought you to be with that sort of knowledge? And that's a question all of us have to ask. And if you are struggling with those things, if you have interest in those things, you'd like to talk more about that, we always want to encourage you to email us at wtihope at gmail.com. Uh, and we would love to engage with you, maybe even talk with about it uh, in an episode. But um, if you have those thoughts, those questions, please don't hesitate to ask. Thank you for joining us where there is hope. It is our goal to share the hope and joy that we find in Scriptures with you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can email us at wtihope at gmail.com. Lamentations 3 24 The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him.